Couldn't have picked any better looking guys for that video. Am I right? Come on. Well, how's everybody doing? Doing good. So good to have you in church. So glad you're here. Uh, we pulled some strings because we love you. We made some phone calls and we got you an extra hour of sleep last night. So you're welcome. All right. That's from CFA to you. But how many of you needed, come on, be honest. How many of you needed that extra hour of sleep? Anybody else? Man, I'm telling you, the timing couldn't have been better uh, for my family. Uh, we needed it. And just looking at some of you, I think maybe we all needed a little bit of beauty sleep, all right? I know some of us more than others. I needed a whole lot. I needed a lot of beauty sleep. Um, I told you a couple we uh, last week uh, that for the last couple weeks, uh, I had not one, but two kidney stones. Yeah, I like to go big. Go big or go home. That's what I always say, right? But, uh, but listen, if you've ever had a kidney stone, raise your hand. Anyone ever had one of those? Okay, so you know. If you've never had a kidney stone, just imagine the worst pain you've ever experienced in your life and then times it by a zillion. <laughs> okay, that's what it felt like. It was bad. In fact, the doctor, uh, the doctor told me that the pain of a kidney stone is similar to the pain of childbirth. Times two, thank you. I actually told the doctor, I said, I said, no, it's not because I didn't have any pain during childbirth. And Kim was in the room and she's just glaring at me. And I, I said, you know, it's not my fault, Kim. I didn't marry me. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. That's like my favorite joke. But anyway. But listen, I am thankful. I'm so glad to say, I'm so glad to say that I passed both kidney stones and man, twins. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I passed high school, I passed college, but I've never celebrated passing anything more than when I passed my kidney stones. Uh, I asked Kim if we could throw a party and she said, no, just keep drinking your water. <laughs> and I said, that's fair, that's fair. But, but church, I'm really glad to be back in the land of the living, uh, glad to be healthy, happy, and most importantly here. And, uh, and I'm excited to preach today. Uh, I'm excited to share with you the next message uh, in our Next Step series. Somebody say Next Step. And uh, I really hope you've been taking some time to pray and ask God what your next step is. Uh, I just think that's important. I think all of us from time to time, life gets busy. And I think we need to take time where we pause and we just simply ask God, what is my next step? What's my next move? Because we won't ever arrive at a destination we don't set out for. You will never get to a new place doing the same old things. We need a next step in life. We need to know where God is taking us. And so I hope you've been able to take some time and just pray and ask God what your next step is. And I'm excited to share with you the next message in this series. Uh, and to do so, I want to share with you arguably the most popular Bible story in all of the Bible. Uh, it's top five, without question, top three of all Bible stories. And that's the story of David and Goliath. How many of you know that story? Of course you know that story. We all do. Everyone in culture knows that story. 
Uh, in fact, whenever you have an underdog versus powerhouse matchup in sports, oftentimes they refer to it as a David and Goliath matchup. And so we know this story, but I want to share with you a couple things in this story maybe you haven't seen before. A couple things that I think will help you and I on the road of life. Is that okay? All right. And to do that, we're going to read a lot of scripture. I will forewarn you, we're going to read a lot of Bible today. But come on, this is church. You know, you can't go to a football game and be like, well, it was good, but there was too much football. You can't go to a buffet and be like, well, it was nice but there was way too much food. There is no such thing, right? And we can't come to church and say, well, there was just too much Bible. I mean, it's just kind of the point, right? It's why we're here. So I wanna share with you a bunch of scripture. I'm gonna paraphrase the best I can. Uh, I got Stu up here just kind of soothing the mood. I'm enjoying this, man, this is good. Okay, 1 Samuel 17, we're gonna check out verse three. I'll paraphrase a little bit, but bear with me. We'll get through this, and then uh, I think this will be good. So it says, so the Philistines, someone say the enemy. And the Israelites, someone say the people of God, face each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Now the valley here doesn't, it's not the Phoenix Suns, it's not the valley that way. The valley here is the valley of Elah. And this was actually a very important trade route. In fact, scholars will tell you that whoever owned this trade route in many ways owned the economy. So this battle is taking place in a very important geographical location. So let's read on verse four. It says, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Come on, he made Shaq look short. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. So here you have Goliath, he's massive. Big biceps, he's buff. You know, so few of us out there. <laughs> I'm teasing. That's a joke. All right. But listen, here's Goliath, and he's nine feet tall. He's massive, okay? And he's challenging Israel to fight. He's challenging Israel to pick a champion to duel him. Now, this was not uncommon in Bible times. Sometimes instead of an army fighting an army, they would choose a warrior to fight a warrior. And whatever warrior would win, that person's army would win. And this was to reduce bloodshed. This was to expedite a champion quicker. And so Goliath for 40 days taunts Israel and says, somebody challenge me. But all of Israel at this time is mute. Israel's crickets because nobody wants to go against Goliath. So let's pick up verse 17. So here, now David comes onto the scene. It says, one day, Jesse, someone say David's dad, said to David, take the basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers <laughs> and give these 10 cuts of cheeses to their captain. The middle school boy in me still laughs when I read cuts of cheese, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? True story. As a youth pastor, I once preached a message, David cut the cheese and killed a giant. I did. I'm not going to preach that to you today, though. Don't worry. I got more for you today than that. But, okay, so basically, so David brings snacks to his brothers on the battlefield. His dad says, see how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early in the morning with the gifts as Jesse had 
directed him. Now, David serves his father here. And David is about to take the biggest step of his life. And church, check this out. He doesn't even realize it. He doesn't even know it. I'll get into that in a moment. So now let's check out verse 26. David arrives to the battlefield. David asks a soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? I love David. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the man, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded, what about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? So his brothers mock him, they criticize him. And verse 32, we're getting to the home stretch. Okay, you're doing good. You're doing good. Hang tight. Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Wow, David's crazy. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. So Saul finally says, all right, let God go with you. <laughs> then Saul gave David his own armor. Make a mental note of that. Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like for he had never worn such things. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. One translation says these don't fit. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. And here we'll close with this. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in his big old forehead. That's my own translation. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine. And that concludes our marathon of reading. Great job. If you would stand it with me, let's pray. Uh, I wanna share with you a message simply titled The Road of Life. The Road of Life. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you that you're here with us right now. Your word tells us where two or more gather, you are there in the center, you are there in the midst. Be this in the center of this service. Be in the center of our church. Be the center of our home. Be the center of our marriage. Be the center of our lives, we pray. And Lord, on the road of life as we take many steps, we pray you'd guide and direct our every step. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, turn to somebody. Tell them the Hawks got this today. The Hawks got this. Well, I've uh, enjoyed this series, Next Step, for so many reasons. I've enjoyed this series for on so many levels, but I think what I like the most about this series is this series reminds us that life is a series of steps. 
that life in many ways is a series of steps, isn't it? That the road of life is filled with many steps. Uh, some big steps, some small steps, some tall steps, some short steps. Uh, some steps we take in life are very clear and simple. Other steps we take in life are very complicated and they're messy, aren't they? Uh, I think sometimes we take steps in life and when we take the step, we realize we're taking the step. And yet other times in life, we are taking a step and we don't even realize at the time we're taking the step. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's not until you look back on life that you begin to realize that, oh, that step led to that step, that led to that step, that led to that step. And pretty soon when we add up all these steps, this equals what we call our life, right? In fact, every single one of us, if we could look back on our life right now, look at how we got here, look at where we've been, we would recognize a number of steps. Because the road of life is filled with many steps. But the good news, church, is this. The good news is this. God is with us through every step. Oh, come on. I'm preaching better than you're amening. God is with us through every step. He is with you every step of the way. We began this series by peeking at Psalms 37, 23, one of my favorite verses, and it says the steps of a righteous man or a righteous woman are ordered of the Lord. And listen, church, I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that verse. I take confidence in that verse that there is a God who is ordering my steps. Proverbs 16, 9 says a person determines their plan but it's the Lord who directs their steps. And again, I don't know about you, but I take comfort, I take confidence in the fact that there is a God that is directing my steps. Listen, life is not just a series of random accidents. We aren't just wandering helplessly or walking aimlessly through life, church, but there is literally a God who is directing and is ordering our steps. And what I love about it is God is directing our steps even when we don't realize we're taking a step. He's ordering, he's directing our steps. Uh, I think of over 25 years ago when I walked into Panther Lake Safeway in Kent, I had no idea I was taking one of the biggest steps of my life. But it was that day that I saw one of the most beautiful, stunning young women in my life, and her name was Kim, and she was working in the video department. <laughs> Come on. And I saw her, and I was like, And so, some of you are like, what's a video department, right? <laughs> well, kids, <laughs> before we had Prime and before we had Netflix, we had these things called VHS tapes. Come on. If you know, you know. <laughs> uh, no, no lie. Uh, my, <laughs> one of my first family vehicles, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this, we had a minivan and we had a VHS player in our minivan. 
Some of you are like, no, 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 you mean a DVD player. No. I mean a VHS player <laughs> in our minivan. And I thought it was so cool. I did. I remember telling my friends, I'm like, hey, you can drive, but if not, I'll, I'll drive because we can watch videos <laughs> while I roll, you know? And they're like, ooh, you know, because it was so cool to have a video player. But then the rewind button broke <laughs> on, on my VHS player. <laughs> so no lie. No lie. This is funny. I had to carry around one, <laughs> one of those portable VHS rewinders. Any of you remember that? <laughs> oh, man. Because if, if you couldn't rewind the video, you couldn't watch it again. And my kids want to watch the same video a hundred times in a row. Why is that? They want to sing the same Disney song a hundred times in a row. Are your kids like that? They're like, let it go, let it go. And you're like, no, you let it go. You know, you're just getting mad. Disney will drive you crazy. But why, what, how was, why was I talking about that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now I remember. I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> okay, 25 years ago, uh, I walked into Panther Lake Safeway, and I met Kim, and I had no idea that day I was taking a step. I had no idea. But that day, I met the woman I married, the woman who I have three daughters with, the woman who I've been married to for 23 years, and I took a step that day, and I didn't even realize it. Listen, Sometimes when we don't realize we're taking a step, God does. Because he's the one ordering the steps. He's the one directing our steps. And even when we don't realize it, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't notice it, we serve a God who is directing and ordering our steps. When we pick up in 1 Samuel 17, David is about to take the biggest step of his life, and he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even realize it. David's father, Jesse, simply asks David, he says, can you do this chore? Can you serve and bring crackers to your brothers on the battlefield? Now, church, unbeknownst to you, maybe, David at this time is a teenager, and if you've ever asked a teenager to do chores, <laughs> sometimes this could be a daunting task. Am I right? Sometimes you're like, can you take out the garbage? And they're like, <laughs> you're like, what? what was that? You know, I asked you to take out the garbage, not solve world peace. You know, it's you can you can handle this. But David is a teenager. To make matters worse, he's just been anointed to be king. Yeah, you think it's difficult raising your teenagers. <laughs> Imagine if your teenager knew they would be the next king. You know what I mean? Like, uh, can you help with the dishes? And they're like, I'm the young king. <laughs> you know? I, I got kingly stuff to do. Church, this could have been the biggest eye roll moment in all of the Bible. This could have been David's Simba moment in Lion King where he's like, I just can't wait to be king, you know? 
I told you, I watch way too much Disney. David could have seen this chore as beneath him, but he doesn't. He doesn't. On the contrary, David faithfully serves his father. David humbly serves his father. Why is this important? Follow me, watch this. If David doesn't serve his father here, David never ends up on the battlefield. If David never ends up on the battlefield, David never sees Goliath. If David never sees Goliath, David never fights Goliath. If David doesn't fight Goliath, David never defeats Goliath. If David doesn't defeat Goliath, David never begins his ascension into the kingdom. You could make a strong case that if David doesn't serve his father here, David never becomes king. Wow. When we start identifying the steps in life where God is ordering and directing our steps and we don't even know it. And maybe you're here today and you have no idea what your next step is. You have no idea what next step to take. Just keep serving your father, David, and your next step will become clear. When you can't find your next step, just keep serving God faithfully today and your next step will find you. Just keep serving God. Just keep serving your father because that's what living like Jesus looks like. You want to live like Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? Then just keep serving people and serve your father. That's what it looks like. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my father in heaven. Ultimately saying, my will is to serve my father. We read in Matthew 25, Jesus shares a parable. And he says, there's a master and some servants. And this master who represents his father says, well done, my good and faithful servant, because that's the heart of Jesus. When, when I get to heaven someday, I want to hear my father say, well done. Well done. Not just, well, <laughs> or done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but well done, because that's what the heart of Jesus looks like. It's a heart to serve people. It's a heart to serve the Father. It's a heart to serve God. You want to live like Jesus? Keep serving people. I came across this the other day. Uh, it's, a, it's a picture, and it says, uh, well done, my good and faithful. And this is pastor, but that's crossed out. Bishop crossed out. Evangelist crossed out. And you go down the list, and at the end it says servant. And this was written to pastors, but you could fill in your title to any industry you work in. It doesn't say, well done, good and faithful project manager, or technician, or nurse, or firefighter. It says servant. Because at the end of the day, if we want to live like Jesus, our job is to serve people. To serve God and serve the Father. And listen, if you don't know what your next step is, that's okay. Just keep serving the Father today. Just keep serving God today, and your next step will find you. Your next step will become clear in due time. Amen? Amen. On the road of life, church, there are many steps, but throughout every step, let's make it our aim to serve the Father. Amen? 
I want to do this. I want to share with you three things to do on the road of life. Three things to do. Using David as our example, I want to share with you three things David does on his road, his journey to Goliath that you and I must do on the road of life. Can we do that? The first one is this. Ignore your critics. On the road of life, ignore your critics. David shows up to the battlefield and David has food. And I don't know about you, but when I show up at my house and I have food, I'm everybody's favorite person. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the BFF in my home when I come with food. David brings food to the battlefield and his brothers still criticize him. Why? Because there are some people that will criticize you no matter what you do. And we need to ignore our critics. I'm not saying don't be teachable. Be teachable. Don't think everybody's a critic because they say you shouldn't do that. That's not a critic. That's someone helping you. <laughs> but there are people that have just come to be critical towards you. Learn to ignore your critics. Look at what it says in verse 28. It says, but when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the man, he was angry. He says, what are you doing around here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of, David? You know, he's like, what about the sheep, shepherd boy? Bah. He's like, doesn't one of those sheep need a lullaby with your harp? What are you doing here on the battlefield? But David ignores his critics. David doesn't cave into his critics because he's compelled by his calling. Come on, we need to make a decision in life. Will we listen to every critic or will we ignore our critics? Because this will make all the difference for you and I on the road of life. Will you cave into your critics or will you be compelled by your calling? Will you listen to what they say or will you listen to what Jesus says? Will you listen to the words of your critics or will you listen to the word of God? Because this will make all the difference for you and I on the road of life. How many Seahawks fans are in the house? Yeah. Oh, now we're preaching. Now people are like, yeah, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm an avid Seahawks fan. Love the Hawks. But I will be perfectly honest. <laughs> Before this season began, I was a little skeptical. I was. I was a little critical. I didn't think Geno Smith, I, yeah, I didn't think he was the guy. And you didn't either. Don't look at me. Some of you are like, no, Matt, I knew. I knew Geno Smith would be player of the month. No, you didn't. Don't lie in church. <laughs> we were all a bit skeptical, right? We, we were like, this is a rebuilding year, like, clearly. But... Then on week one, when the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith beat the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, they interviewed Geno. Did you see that? It was one of my favorite interviews because the interviewer asked him, they say, what do you say to everyone who wrote you off? And look what he says. There's a picture here. He says, they wrote me off. I ain't right back though. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes. That should be like second Geno chapter two, verse one, like I ain't right back though. Listen, when people write you off, 
Don't write them back. Listen, don't cave into your critics. Be compelled by your calling. Don't listen to what they say. Listen to what Jesus says. Don't listen to the voice of everyone else. Listen to the voice of Jesus and what the word of God is telling you to do. Learn to ignore your critics. It's hard to do. Learn to do it. It's so important. Uh, years ago, I was down at a, a Pike Place Market. Any of you ever been to the market? And there, were, there was a small tank of all these live crabs in, in the tank. And there was no lid on top. And so they were like almost up to the top. And I asked the worker, I said, can't those crabs get out? And he said, he said, nah, the other crabs won't let it. I said, what? He said, no, once one crab gets high enough, the other crab pulls it down. I'm like, those crabs are like some people I know. Come on, sometimes there's some people that when God propels you up, they'll keep pulling you down. Ignore these people. Come on, you don't need friends in your life who remind you of your history. You need friends in your life who remind you of your destiny. You don't need people who remind you of all the things from your past. You remind people who remind you of your future and where God's taking you and what he has for you and what he says about you. Learn to ignore your critics as this will make all the difference for you and I on the road of life. Secondly, I have to, ooh, man, I have to move along. Uh, second thing, on the road of life, conquer what's in front of you. Ignore your critics, and secondly, conquer what's in front of you. One of my favorite quotes, and I think it should come up here, the quote says this, it says, yesterday is history, tomorrow a mystery, today is all we have. Now, I think it's good to dream about tomorrow, I think it's good to reflect on our past and learn from our past. But we have to conquer what's in front of us today. We have to be faithful with what God has told us and where God has us today. David volunteers to fight Goliath. And Saul's like, nah. <laughs> He's like, David, really? He's like, Goliath, man, he looks like the rock. <laughs> He's like Dwayne Johnson. And you're mini me. And he's like, David, this ain't going to go well. But the Bible says David persisted. And come on, I think we need some people in our culture today who are persistent. Come on, become the type of man, become the type of woman that's not easy for God to get rid of. Become the type of person when everyone gives up, you're still standing up. When everyone else leaves, you're still there. When everyone else throws in the towel, you're still persistent with what God has showed you and what God has called you to do. It makes a big difference. David is persistent and he begins to share with Saul his resume. <laughs> he shares with Saul that he's conquered everything in front of him. He's like, Saul, I've never faced a giant, but I faced a lion. I fought a bear. David is a tiger away from being on the cast of Wizard of Oz. You understand that? All right. He's like lions, tigers, bears, and they're like, oh my, you know? I mean, they're all like, what? He's like, check this out. When, when a bear would attack the sheep, he said, I would chase the bear off. And they're like, huh? This guy's crazy. 
when a lion would come after the sheep, he says this, when the sheep was in the lion's mouth, he says, I would take the sheep out of the lion's mouth and make it if I had to. They're like, this is a bad man. Get it? Sheep, bad. Anyway. Oh, come on. That was kind of funny. They're like, this guy's crazy. David, David says, listen, I've never faced a giant, but I've conquered everything in front of me. I've conquered the lion, I've conquered the bear, and I will conquer this Philistine. Listen, if you want a giant opportunity tomorrow, conquer what's in front of you today. If you want giant opportunities tomorrow, conquer what's in front of you today. Be faithful with today. Listen, maybe you look at your life right now and you say, this isn't it. This isn't the life I, I thought I would have. You know, this isn't the dream I dreamt. This, this isn't the situation I thought I would be in. Listen, I understand. But just keep being faithful with today. Just keep conquering the lion. Just keep conquering the bear. And in due time, God will bring the opportunity your way that you've been praying for but be faithful with today. Conquer what's in front of you today. I want to be a manager in my company. Great. How faithful are you as an employee in that company today? I want to own a business. Do you? <laughs> How faithful are you to that business you're working for today? Young people, how about this one? I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. <laughs> young men, can I help you out? Can I help you out, young, young men? I love you. But listen, I want to share with you the, one of the best pickup lines I've ever heard. You ready for this? It's a great pickup line. It goes like this. Hi, I have a job. That's it. That's it. I find 100% of women find that line very important. <laughs> Listen, you want great opportunities for tomorrow? Conquer what's in front of you today. You want a giant opportunity? Conquer what's in front of you today. And the last one, the last one is this. On the road of life, be confident in who you are. Be confident in who you are. So David volunteers to fight Goliath. And Saul's like, fine. <laughs> All right. And so he's like presenting David. He's like, here's David. He's our warrior and the only person to have volunteered. <laughs> and David's like, thanks for the vote of confidence. But we then read something that I think we glaze over when we often read the Bible. We read that Saul puts his armor on David. Saul puts his armor on David. I'm gonna, I got an illustration here. Now, this will shock you, but this is not my jacket. It's my father-in-law's jacket, and he's six foot seven. <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> mm. But listen, in Bible times, the armor of the king was tailor-made for that king. Saul is said to be taller in stature. David is said to be short. And so David says, I will fight Goliath. And the first thing Saul does 
is he puts his armor on David. And David's like, He's like, these don't fit, right? And listen, the first thing that happens when David takes a step is he is tempted to try and be something he's not. He's tempted to try and be somebody he's not. And listen, the same thing is true for you and I. The moment we take a step in life, we're tempted to try and be something we're not. We're tempted to try and be somebody we're not. Maybe God's put a calling on you and you have people saying, oh, this is how you have to do it. But God's going to do it a different way for you. Because God has a new thing in store for you. But many times we're just, we just put on Saul's armor. And listen, God is not calling you to be somebody else. He's not asking you to be something else. He's called you to be who you are. And you are enough. Somebody in the last month, you've asked that question, am I enough? You are enough. Your calling is enough. You are called. You are anointed. You are appointed. Come on, you are a child of God. You are a child of the King. You have Holy Spirit power. Before the foundations of the world, God knew you. Before you were born, he called you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the skillful hands of the living God. Scripture says you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You are enough. Stop trying to be something you're not. Don't try and be somebody you're not. When God has given you everything you need to be who he's called you to be, you are enough. Your calling is enough. Your gifting is enough. And your God is more than enough. And we read something powerful. David, David takes off. Saul's armor. He says, thank you, but no thank you. He says, these don't fit. And what does David do? David goes down to the riverbank and he finds five small stones. And with a measly slingshot and five small stones, one stone, he takes out the largest giant to ever live. And listen, I think sometimes we look at our gifts and we look at what God's given us and we say, ah, is it enough? I wish I had his talent. You don't need his talent. You have your own talent to do what God's called you to do. I wish I had her gift. You don't need her gift. You have every gift you need to do what God has called and purposed you to do. Be confident in who you are and be confident in who God has called you to be. If you would stand up with me, we'll pray. I want to close with this thought today because, you know, as I was praying yesterday, I just felt the Lord really impress this on my heart. And maybe you come in today and, and you face your own Goliath. But your Goliath isn't a nine feet tall warrior. Maybe your Goliath is a medical diagnosis. Maybe your Goliath is a mental health issue you come in facing. And I've been there three years ago. I had depression hit me like I've never experienced before. 
And it's only by the grace of God that I saw through it. There is light in the midst of darkness. Maybe you come in today and you're facing a financial problem. Maybe you come in today and you're facing a relationship issue and you're facing this Goliath. And this is literally, I felt the word, I wrote this down because I felt God put this on my heart to tell you today. And this is for somebody today. But you see a Goliath in front of you and God's word to you is if there's a Goliath in front of you, there is a David inside of you. If there is a Goliath in front of you, there is a David inside of you. Be confident in who you are, but most importantly, be confident in who God is because he will see you through. He's faithful. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I just want to pray out first and foremost, if you're here today and you say, I've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, today's the day to do that. Listen, eternity is not something we should just scoff at. It's not something we should consider later. We need to complete today and finalize today what we need to for tomorrow. And if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you will spend eternity, you can get that secure today. And that's by choosing Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He died a gruesome death. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And because he did, you have life, you have hope, and you have purpose in him. What do I have to do? You just believe on him. You just believe on Jesus. Salvation costs Jesus everything, but it's free for you. All you have to say is, Jesus, I believe in you. What about all the messes I've made? He knows, and that's why he died. That's why he rose again. And if you say, I need Jesus as my savior, or I need to come back to him, I'm not gonna call you up here today, but could you just put your hand up and back down? See that hand, thank you. Anybody else? Say, that's me, I need that today. Thank you, I see that, thank you. Anybody else say, I need Jesus today. I'm gonna pray for you in a moment. I wanna pray for one other group of people just where you're at. If you say, I'm facing my own Goliath today, I don't need to know what it is, God knows, and you know. And you're saying, I need supernatural confidence. My faith is wavering. I'm like Israel right now. I, I, I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I'm full of despair. I believe a step of faith, when you admit that, is what actually brings courage, what brings confidence, what causes God to turn the thing around. And if you say, I am facing my own Goliath and I need God, I need the Holy Spirit to move in me. Would you just lift up your hands? I already see hands lifted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think God's gonna do something. Don't miss this opportunity. There's something that happens when we respond in faith. I wanna pray for the first group of people that if you say, I'm coming to Jesus, just in your own way, pray, Jesus, come into my life. I need you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you gave your life for me and because of it, I have life in you. I choose you as Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. I'm just gonna ask everyone, if we could just lift our hands up just as a sign of surrender. Pastor Stu's gonna lead us in a worship song as we close. But I just wanna pray specifically for those who need the confidence of God, the spirit of God today. Lord, I pray for those today who walk in facing their own giants, their own Goliath, 
Lord, who, those who come in facing medical issues, those who come in facing diseases, diagnosis, we thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. We thank you that you're a wonder-working God. We don't just sing about miracles. We believe you are a God of miracles. And I pray, God, you would heal bodies even now. I pray for those who come in, God, facing anxiety. Maybe nobody else knows. But there's an anxiety you face. I just believe God's going to give you a supernatural peace. It's called the peace that surpasses all understanding. But it happens as we pray. Increase your prayer life. That's what the Lord's saying. Those of you who are anxious, increase your prayer life and watch as God starts bringing peace in areas you haven't had before. Be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. Those of you who come in facing financial issues, challenges at home, challenges with kids, challenges in your marriage, that Goliath, there's a David in you, don't give up. Keep fighting, keep pressing in, keep seeking. The Bible says, knock and the door will be open. Seek and he will find. Don't give up because God will see you through. Lord, we just pray today that your spirit would rest on us as we take a couple more moments and worship you, God. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.